he is he doing something for for Vladimir Putin on his way out because that's where his debt lies, right? Like that. Those are the those are the things. <laughs> oh, wow. that... The Republicans are, uh, as we say, riding a tiger, where you you cannot get off anymore because you're going to get murdered by the tiger if you get off, and that tiger happens to be Donald Trump. What up, world? Welcome back to another episode of the AmeriPodcast. Oh, yeah. Oh, we won. Oh, yeah. It's we official. fucking won. Right, we fucking won. They called Georgia and Arizona. We fucking won. Yeah. Yep. Well, For now. And Pennsylvania, since we lost all talk to you. Well, everybody knows that. Oh, yeah. We didn't. Yeah, because we recorded last Friday. Yeah. yeah, but it was still kind of up in the air. I mean, we knew which direction it was going, but we didn't want to call it until we knew for sure. But now we know for sure. Today is Friday the 13th. Ooh, oh my gosh. November 13th, 2020. And we got the original crew in the house tonight coming at you. Our West Coast correspondent to start us off, Tyler Grillo out of the Bay Area. How are you tonight, sir? Oh, I'm doing well. Well, you put me first this time. I feel so honored. I know. <laughs> I see what you did mixing there. it up. I'm mixing it up. Yeah, I'm doing all right. I've, I'm I'm a little tired. It's just I've had a, some busy weeks, but uh, it's ra- it rained today, which is um, always a good thing. And uh, my garden beds are flipped for the winter, so uh, that feels good too. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. I've been tired this week as well. I think I'm just like catching up now that the election's over. All that adrenaline, you know. I feel you. I feel you. Yeah. Let Recovering. it process. Let it process. And. Out here in Colorado, in the Rockies, the Denver metro area. John Kelly, how are you tonight, sir? Doing well. Doing well. Yeah, I would say that the anxiety and stress from the election has gone down a little bit. I would say that I slept more this week than I did last week, but not by a significant amount. (laughs) Big time, man. I I could just keep sleeping, I feel like, every morning this week. Just keep it rolling, but got to get up, got to do stuff. And also in the Denver metro area, Mr. John Anderson, how are you tonight, sir? Oh, I'm good. I am uh, uh, in agreement with you guys that I am slightly less anxious, I would say. But uh, cleanly shaven, new haircut, quarantine John over there. Love it. But yeah, let's go because it looks like we're going back into quarantine. So I was like, well, I guess I'm not getting that haircut I desperately needed. Um, so, but. New gimmick, everybody. It is uh, 69 days minus one to the inauguration. So, So everybody, make sure this shit ain't over yet, which is what we're going to talk about a little bit. But uh, we fucking won electorally. But unfortunately, in the country right now, that is not the only thing that matters in determining who's going to be president. And so... Uh, hold on to your butts and make sure that you're staying engaged. That's right. It's 67 days, 18 hours, 29 minutes, and 37 seconds, according to the U.S. presidential inauguration counter that I'm looking at right now. Well, there we go. <laughs> Very nice. That's right. So Good basically resource. 69 so we've days got, minus We've one. got a new goal here. We've got a new goal. You know, we got through the Trump administration. We voted him out. Now we have to count down the days until he is totally out of there. And we're not through the administration. He can, they could still, he could still, you know, sign some executive orders. You know, he could still, he could still try to do some, 
some damage. He's, yeah, um, he's 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 trying to rush through a bunch of land grants for public lands in Alaska for drilling before the end of his stuff. You know, just fun, good time environmentalism that he's yeah. always been yeah. all about. But that we're not here to talk about his executive orders and what he might do. We're here to talk about the fact that he is, in fact, well, in the last couple of days, might be shifting more towards accepting the fact of conceding the election. He's still actively trying to challenge it in the courts and potentially trying to steal it. That's where yeah. we're currently still yes. at. Yeah. Yeah. Which is always funny because after all this talk about trying the Democrats trying to steal the election, it turns out, no, you're trying to steal the election. Turns out. <laughs> yeah. I, the uh, I'm rubber and you're glue defense yeah. is like the primary rhetorical strategy of the Trump administration <laughs> and right. people yeah. on the right, it seems like. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which is it, it just insanely frustrating to me because it becomes this whole it's a deliberate tactic it's called whataboutism right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. which is uh pioneered by russia and it it basically the point of it is to make everybody frustrated and give up and say everybody sucks and truth doesn't matter and everybody's corrupt and fuck it and so that's why objective truth is important and we should hang on to that because fuck vladimir putin Agreed. Agreed. And and I right. mean, you're right. You, you look at it and the numerous legal challenges that we started to discuss a little bit during last week's meeting, most of which have seemed to fall flat, whether it's challenging the people that are in the room for vote recounts, whether it's challenging whether votes are actually legal or not in a large enough number. Right. And that's really the fraud um, discussion there. They seem to be falling flat. And even the uh, attorneys that are representing Trump and the law firms that are representing him, some of which are dropping out <laughs> after filing yeah. briefs for him, <laughs> like in Pennsylvania. Um, but it, it is funny, Tyler, you're, you're 100% right. It's like the, the irony of it is completely lost on the right right now. As we talk about a transition and we talk about the number of votes in an election that probably was one of the most secure and safe elections we've ever had, considering there were so many people voting from home. And DHS came out and said that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Like it's, it's really funny to see that. And then, you know, the, the, the home run saving grace, which seems to be the very last hail Mary thing they could do would be that multiple state legislators would have to step in and say that, you know, because of the amount of potential fraud or the amount of uncertainty in voting uh, regulations and the way that it was counted, that the state legislators are going to step in and decide who the electors in certain states are going to vote for, which, I mean, if you're going to talk about a concerted effort of a party to step in and elect someone for presidency, that's that's that. And they would very (laughs) likely need to be supported by a Supreme Court ruling Uh in order to to do that. And so um, it seems unlikely um yeah i uh i am a little concerned about what's happening at dod department of defense uh yeah. the defense secretary resigned and then many of the people in uh the prime leadership positions have been replaced by it seems like a bunch of people from devin nunez's staff because he's back because the writers of the show are so fucking high and <laughs> no, so, he's the only person that like, he's one of the few people that have like supported trump the entire right, time him and right fucking and he's, Matt a, he's like the yeah. old guard in the in the republican house that is supported yeah he's a like, piece he's a piece of shit too it, yes he he's, sucks uh so I, I listened to a really good 
um, podcast right before this, uh, the Lawfare podcast, and they had Corey Shockey on, who is a, a member of the National Security Council uh, in the Bush administration and is now an academic. And she was saying there's probably four um, possibilities of what's happening. Number one is they're plotting a coup, uh, which is, they said was very unlikely. Number two, um, they want to take a decisive military action, like preemptively yeah. striking Iran, which is also a pretty nightmare scenario. Number three yeah. is oh wow, I hadn't even thought of I that. Hadn't yeah. thought of that <laughs> the fact that they like they start it as a almost rally around the flag kind of thing, where it's like they they preemptively start something where then they could break off into a bunch of different potential legal arguments for him staying president I don't while think the election the, is still in? Is that is that Those the... are two different scenarios. Um, although I could see okay, them merging, but she was she was in her in her typology, those are two different scenarios. One a coup, two uh, decisive military action. Three is uh, declassifying a whole bunch of material related to 2016 and Russia uh 2016 election mm -hmm, and russia mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then number four is just yeah. straight up fucking vindictiveness and trying to pad the resumes of folks um who have been supportive uh i am i mean i guess like what do you what do you all think about that the military action one is interesting i just like uh, to, to me there to that for that one to hold water i would feel like there would need to be something behind the scenes that like we don't know or we may never know where it's like for example like well why like why bummer is that does trump have some investment in some like military fucking you know complex in you know some industry or company or something does russia is he is he doing something for for vladimir putin on his way out because that's where his debt lies right like that those are the those are the things <laughs> wow. where, yeah. right like i really do yeah. i do really get back to honestly right now i'm like trump is trying to take care of numero uno because that is what he has fucking always done so if he gets to if he's at the realization of he's not going to be able to stay in the white house right now then the actions that he is taking are to try to take care of himself. And it appears that that fucking giant debt that he has of like, that we don't know who it goes to is probably one of the main things that he is trying to take care of and figure out how to deal with. So that's where okay. I, that's why I go with there is like, all right, is there some, like, is he trying to pull some levers to try to get out of some like shit or like pay some debt that he owes? Yeah. 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 And you could see, uh, um, chaos in the Middle East is a uh, strategic asset to Russia. Russia, oh yeah, one of the overarching grand strategic moves that Russia has made over the course of the last, let's say, twenty years is just let's destabilize the world system as yeah. much as we can, and in many as many ways as we can. And a major war in the Middle East that draws the United States and Israel in against Iran is something that Russia might be able to really benefit from. Um, but I will say that Corey Shockey, and I agree with her, uh, felt that the first two scenarios were highly unlikely. Um, that is not to say that we shouldn't remain vigilant. A uh, 5% chance that that's actually true is way too high. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a scary prospect. And to be honest, there's not much that we can do as citizens besides just be horrified. <laughs> if he actually takes takes and does something like that, like bombing Iran, right, in the interim when he's a lame duck and the top military advisors don't step in and go, no, we're not doing that. 
Right. Because yeah. <laughs> they have to go along with it too. <laughs> to well, and, and that's the other, that right. was kind that's of important. one of her main points is being like the, and, and I hadn't really heard this term before, the United States, every member of the United States military is considered a, a moral agent, which I think is a term of art. And it means that you personally, as an individual, will be held accountable for your actions. So that is the I was just following orders defense is get the fuck out of here. And so if Donald Trump gives the military an order that they perceive as being either illegal or immoral, they are within their rights. And in fact, it is their duty to say no to that order. So um, she said the thing to really look out for, which I think is really smart, is if um, Trump, f- uh, fires Millie and, uh, brings Michael Flynn back oh, as right. the jo- uh, chief of interesting. staff. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so if that happens, everybody that, yeah. push the panic button and let's get in the fucking streets. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that'll be needed. I agree, John. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd imagine there'd be a lot of protesting out in the streets if they went through with an extreme military yeah. act like that. I mean, turns out there actually is pretty widespread support uh, for the anti-war movement in the United States generally as that, like that brings together a lot of left coalitions. Let's just say a lot of people don't want war, <laughs> yeah, you, you know, True. interestingly enough, it brings, people in from the right too if you could actually sit down and have a conversation about it right right and, a lot of libertarians a lot of anti-globalists right yeah. they don't want war at all either in a and weird that includes kind of way, donald but. trump right yeah. which is a, one of the reasons why this makes it very unlikely that he'll do this but it is something that we should consider and frankly i think that's one of the uh Maybe the most redeeming thing about trump and his administration is that he didn't get us into a fucking war which is uh, at least not yet, Uh, which is depending on what happens in the next 10, 15 years, it could be (laughs) a gleaming, like shining ray of light, actually, that comes back Um, from I I would say that my opinion on that is simple vindictiveness seems to be the most easily like pinpointing thing. People are patting their resumes around him. And I think it was vindicted on Trump to fire the Department of Defense head anyway, because they disagreed over so many things leading up to the election and during the election. So it's vindictive. It's uh, like it's a last trick as a guy who is like drowning in an ocean. Like the last thing he's doing is saying, fuck you, boat. Don't throw me another rope. Like, yeah, I don't need your (laughs) shit. Um, And, And the two biggest things that Esper and Trump clashed on were one not using the American military against the American people in the Lafayette Square incident, number one, and number two, making sure that United States military bases were named after fucking traitors. Those were the two things that they clashed on, and that's why Esper got fired, it seems like. Wild. Wild. Vindictiveness. I think think the more serious thing in the last four days, right, as the election seems to have solidified around a Biden victory and a transition has really been the lack of support for a transition and specifically in sharing information about um, foreign policy and daily briefings with the transition team and with Biden himself. The Trump administration seems to be completely refusing to do that, saying that because it's not decided and it's still a somewhat iffy constitutional battle at this point, whether or not Biden's going to win, they don't have to share any uh, transition powers at this point, which is completely unprecedented. 
and it's widely considered um it's extremely dangerous and a good example of that is is it's widely believed that one of the reasons why 9-11 was more likely to happen was because the transition between clinton and bush was not optimal and so these things have extremely real world consequences for the united states and if i was a foreign actor and i had plans in place and ambition in place to take a dramatic act this is when you fucking do it like if you're north korea and you want to take an action on the 38th parallel this is when you fucking do it yeah so like this is we should all continue to be very vigilant both in terms of how our own government is acting and how foreign governments are acting because bad actors take advantage of chaos and right now we're in a moment of deep chaos yeah, it's like yeah. fucking China just being like, Hong Kong, mine, mine's, now it's mine. You know, like. Yeah, that's a good example. Yeah, yeah, it's that's right. shit. And, and that's absolutely seen... something that could happen in the next couple of weeks. Yep. As, as growing uncertainty happens in the United States. Yeah, well, China already. Like, I, don't think, I don't think they're going to do anything. Well, China already did take Hong Kong. That already yeah, happened. Yeah, that's the thing. Like... Right, but. Other shit. China can do other shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. As Russia took yeah. Eastern Ukraine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah these something things. like that you could for sure see, yeah. or the Baltics, yeah, um, which would be really bad. So I, I mean, yeah, and this will be another podcast, but I just put a pin in this. I fully expect North Korea to do some shit on basically January twenty first, right, twenty twenty one. Like they're gonna start popping off missiles again or yes. something like that, which is something that they did for Clinton and for Bush and for Obama. And for Trump. And right, so right. you would expect them to do that. So everybody be prepared. Oh, it's, it's a little man's game in North Korea. Yeah. They're like, don't forget, for sure. we have nuclear weapons that are just like, yeah, we know. We know. <laughs> we're, aware, we're, yeah, we're, yeah. Very aware. we're Thanks. Thanks, yeah. bud. Yeah. Um, and in the, in the fucking meantime, it's, it's, you know, it's again, it's like Trump tank, trying to take care of numero uno. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just, you know, there's a part of it that's a part of me that's just sad to watch so many Americans get take get conned and get taken advantage of. You know, it's like there's a part of me that gets upset and mad about it, and then there's a part of me that's just like sad. It's like you all don't really. And so, like the the thing right now is like the you know the fundraiser to like to um, challenge that like the courts and to fund the recounts and all of that. And you know, I don't know if you saw that article that came out today. Unless your donation is over eight thousand dollars. It goes, it split, gets split, and I don't know what the exact split 60%. is. 60%. Yeah, to um, Donald Trump's pack and to the GOP pack, which means... Retiring the debt from the campaign. Yeah, which is retiring right. the debt from the campaign. It's money they already spent, fucking fiscal conservatives. So Douchebaggery at its finest I mean, to the people just, you're supposed to be helping that are supporting you. You're giving them a middle finger back. Full going grift. Right. It's just a full grift. Totally. And it's and it's so sad. I mean, you know, it's like it's just like just like what fucking Steve Bannon did with the fucking wall fundraiser shit, too. Yeah. So I hope it comes back to bite him in the ass. But, it, but legally, I don't think it it has as much ground. But it's it's just it's one of those things where it's like, so you love Donald Trump because he's a successful businessman and you're cool with giving him money to pay for that. I'm like, so it is all about racism in the end. Yeah, it's just it's <laughs> just all about racism in the end. I got no, you. man. It was economic anxiety. Yeah. Well, yeah. OK, so that might be a good mean, to, to John. I love that article that you shared. Uh, uh the Vox article, the crisis isn't Trump, it's the Republican Party in the interview yeah. with uh, Ann Applebaum mm-hmm. that uh, Ezra Klein did. And that, that I mean, there's so many things inside of this, but watching the uh, Republican Party 
not everyone, right? Like, it should be named that there are certain Republicans, namely people like George fucking Bush, George W., the George Bush too, being like, hey, Biden, uh, congratulations on winning. Uh, and, yeah, you know, it, and, it and, was a good statement. Some, yeah. It was a good statement. And and a couple and a couple people from the states, a couple governors. Right. Stuff, uh, the governor of Ohio, who also I, I from the very few things I know about him, he was uh, strong in his covid response. He's uh, acknowledged Biden's win. I think that that's um, a positive. You have Ben Sass, Lisa Murkowski, Susan Collins, Mitt Romney uh, coming out, um, acknowledging Biden won. Um, but that's the fact that I can list all of the senators from memory who have done that is bad. It's really, really bad. And it's because w- the Republican Party seems to be an uh, anti-democratic institution at this point. Like, I don't think there's any way to get around that fact. And, that- and we've been talking about it for four years now on this podcast, yeah. how much it seems like the party is. And they're showing, I mean, the, the, the higher leadership of the party is truly showing it um, as, as, as they try to protect the leads that they have dwindling demographic pool and yep. a dwindling age pool they are clinging to whatever they can to make sure that they can stay look at look at the statements from lindsey graham right four years ago two years yeah. ago yeah a month ago today right Wild. look at the change that he's put on yeah. in in four years right and, I and do that wanna... shows you the type of shift that the republican leadership really has had to do partly because of their base and partly because they know that the shifting demographics it's like sand beneath their feet, and in time it will engulf them. First, I do want to acknowledge um, that many Republicans on the state level have been great. Um, yep. Like the the Speaker of the House for Pennsylvania, although he started to equivocate on this a little bit, maybe. But he was like, no, we're not doing this. Uh, the Secretary of State of Georgia, who is a Republican, defended uh, his state. Um, I believe same thing in Arizona, although I'm not as confident in that. But I saw, I a, good, the- I got, saw a good interview with the uh, governor of Arkansas. Uh, on Great. CBS. He didn't come out and 100% say, congratulations, Biden is the next president. He was like, it's almost certain that he's going to be the next president. And I yeah. want to be, I, I want to be there to help with any transition that's possible, you know, as, as a governor. So, I mean, they're, they're saying a, a lot of the state level, I think, is, is saying the right things. Um, yeah. They don't want, um, you know, let, let's be clear because of the federalism that exists in this country, they don't want riots in their streets from people who think that. Republican houses are stealing elections or Republican governors are stealing elections. A lot of Republican power cells in in states don't want that, right? They don't want riots in the street because of that. And the election was close in a lot of states. There'd be a lot of pissed off Democrats that lost by 100,000 votes in some of those states Um, that said, you're not, I I mean. (laughs) I do think, though, on the federal level, the Republicans are, uh, as we say, riding a tiger, where you you cannot get off anymore because you're going to get murdered by the tiger if you get off, and that tiger happens to be Donald Trump. So all of these coward Republicans like like Marco Rubio are looking at 2022 and being like, I cannot go. I have to uh, kiss the ring and bend the knee because I otherwise will have a primary in florida that i'm more worried about than the general election and so that's pulling all of these 
people to the right, and they are choosing them. Let's be very clear about this. They are choosing themselves yeah. and their party over their country. Yeah. Because uh, let me let me get a little Sapiens real quick <laughs> by Yuval Harari, who everybody should read. <laughs> it is the best book ever. One of the best books ever. Great uh, book. Yep. He he talks about how. So humans should only exist in societies of like, let's say 150 people or so, because that's how we know who's reliable, who's not, who to trust, who not to trust, yada, yada. That's how like. It's also, it's also how much our brain can take. It, right. Exactly. It's hardwired into us. So yeah. how do we have what is now a global society? The way we now have gl a global society is because we have these shared stories. We have these shared fictions, if you will. These shared things are money or Christianity or democracy. Yeah. The only way that democracy functions properly is if we all believe that it's functioning properly, just like money. You can't eat your money. You yeah. cannot drink your money. You can't build a house out of it. You can do nothing with it, except we all agree that you can do stuff with it. And so it rules the world. Yeah. And so the fact that 50%, well, 47% of our voting populace is now being told to not believe in democracy ha will have very, very, very important and very likely disastrous implications for decades to come. Yeah. This is a yeah. well, dramatic problem yeah. that we're and, seeing yeah. right now happen before uh, uh, unfold before our eyes. Yeah, and, and I agree 100%. And it's not, it's not just on the right. I will say that as well. Yes. That's had this been a close election and it was that Trump had won all of these states by a close margin, right. there'd be a lot of people on the left right now going, there's no way this can be legitimate. There has to be reasons that Donald Trump won. There has to be systematic reasons that we could not get enough votes to get him out as much it's as It's called we the him. Electoral College. I was right. The thing is, there's but, facts to back that up. <laughs> but, yeah. But, but, <laughs> yeah. But what I'm saying is, is more important that... I get you, Kelly, yeah. In, in the coming years, in, in Biden and whoever gets elected and down the road, 10, 15, 20 years, you know, we talk a lot about how our institutions are in question. They're in question on both sides. Yes. And what we can hope is that this election will try to bring some people back into trusting our institutions and trusting that democracy can work and will work for the majority of people that are in this country. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's what that's what I think most people want on both yep. sides. Yeah. It's just I, getting there and bridging the gap to make sure that, Hey, yes, yes. You lost. We lost four years ago. It sucks. I know, but yeah. there's problems we have to deal with together. Right. And it's not it, to say that kind those of talk going forward. concerns aren't real, right? Like I think that yeah, our generation are. has been failed by almost every single institution in this country. Yeah. But the, the solution to that is not nihilism mm -hmm. and individualism. It's picking an institution or a community that you care about and making it better. That, I truly believe, is the mission that has been put forth to the millennials. And that is our opportunity to become the next great generation is if we can rebuild all of these institutions and it's going to be a lifelong uh, uh, problem for us to solve. But I think it's a great opportunity to do something really meaningful. And so, you know, we can look at it and say, well, democracy is dying, but we can also say we have the longest governing document in America or in human history currently today. And it is antiquated and we need to do some major overhauling to it. And so instead of 
being afraid of that, we should be enthusiastic about that opportunity. And so I think we should start looking forward to like, what are the things that we can do to make Americans feel more like their government works for uh, for them for them. So yeah. something like popular vote, reforming the court, uh, getting money out of politics. These types yeah. of things, I think, are long-term solutions. Pair out Citizens United. Oh my God! Yeah, get that <laughs> yeah, shit yeah, out yeah. of here. Yeah. Fucking number yeah. one. And and you know, I I think that back to the the interview with with um Ann Applebaum and um ties into this one of the things that she said was that in her like she has studied and watched how authoritarians take over in various countries and like this she was talking about the slow creep that happens she didn't use those words but it's a slow creep that happens where people just it, things get normalized and you're like well like you're saying john you're like well i'm not gonna say that the election was stolen but i'm gonna say that it's totally within donald trump's rights to have a recount which is tacitly saying it like saying like approval it's or opening like, the door for the fact that it could be yeah exactly opening the door and that, that the other be. side works that way right, right right that the other side is specifically trying to steal stuff from you totally they legitimately win totally right? and those are people in power yeah. right but then she was also talking about like individuals like how like or just like citizens how do citizens like kind of get like wrapped up in this and, 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 and the people in power, right. Just like, but just like looking at like individuals and talking about disappointment and how it's people who are disappointed with something. And so what I think then is interesting is the John, what you were saying, that difference between like, there's, you can go the nihilism direction, right. Which is, I think the direction that tears towards uh, uh, authoritarianism because you're going, well, I don't fucking know, tear it all down. Somebody else deal with this shit. John, cool. Donald Trump. And you just give over your power to somebody else. But then the other option you can go with is going, okay, this is not working. What can I do? What can we do? How could things possibly change, right? And that's what opens up also the window for possibility, right? Like when old systems don't work, and and this is also, this is my own analysis about it, is that I think deeper than that, underneath all of this, like the disappointment that comes, is it's it's the inability to be with change. Inability to yeah. be with and participate in change, Right, change is tough, man. Right, because change it, is tough for it a is lot hard, of people. Which it changes the only constant, and that is the great question of why is it so hard for us if it's the only constant? Well, There's... besides death and taxes, that's unless right. you're a libertarian, <laughs> that's then right. it's only death. death but and taxes. yeah, that's fucking that's fucking a right. But here's the <laughs> here's the thing that I'm very like that that I'm I have the hope for us is like you know this is a lot of the conversation in the leftist uh, activist community right now is about like well if you look at all the fucking shit that's going on. But look at, like, shit is fucked, obviously, but look at the good things that have come out. The amount of political activism from people, right, that has, in the last four years, is, like, has we haven't seen since, like, the 60s, right? And um, and maybe even, and maybe it's even been more than then, right? And things like... That's during, likely more, yeah, right? And, but and things it, like we during, haven't seen the level of it since the 60s, right, really. Right, and, like, things like during COVID, things that happened, like, like um, eviction, uh, uh, eviction moratoriums, where they were just like, we're not going to evict people because of, right? Like, like, and um, people actually getting released from prison. Now, there's some complexity around that because it didn't necessarily go awesome in some reasons. And I, we could, that's a whole other conversation. But the, but the even idea that people would be open to leadership in government would be open to re, like, like releasing people from prison, right? So, like, it, it, there, it, there's opportunity inside of these things when things are like not working, right? Which, like, sure, the system is obviously like broken in many ways. I think we can all agree on that. It opens the opportunity for things to change, and so you either go the direction of ah, I can't deal with that, which you know, or 
you go the direction of, all right, well, like, this is hard, this is going to be hard, but maybe if we all pull together and do it, shifts can happen. Rahm Emanuel famously said in 2008, never fail to take advantage of a crisis, uh, which was largely panned, but I think is very true that you, you, you don't have opportunity for change unless there's a crisis. Like oftentimes with an individual, right? Like you don't change yourself until you hit quote rock bottom. And so I think it, it is analogous to say that about a, um, a country as well. Yeah, hundred percent. I agree, mm-hmm. and I, I I will say one thing, uh, Tyler. I think I, I think you did miss a third possibility in your analysis because I think you're right. People do give their power away voluntarily when they start to lose control. I think that there's a great opportunity for change. People uh, confront it and realize that there's change that's happening around them. But the third one that I think you see more with the Republican Party currently is that. They're using whatever power that they have left mm. um, in, a, in a shifting world around them to, to maintain that their arguments, right, and yeah. their worldview are the most uh, legitimate. Right. And so I, I, I feel that it's a lot of the Republican supporters aren't giving their powers away. They're going to step up and try to use them as much as possible. It's what we're seeing right now in this election. There's a lot more people on the right that have felt empowered right by the right to vote during this election they've felt more connected during the Trump years yeah. than they have in many years because of the way that he talks and the way that they feel that they're connected to someone of power yeah. right the whole drain the swamp idea is just a psychological thing to say that we're disconnected from people in Washington and we're right. disconnected from the politics around us yeah which instead of embracing the change around them they go no we have to make our voices heard and the society that we want very much based on you know, a shifting ideal uh, stuff. We don't believe in the shifting idealism that's happening uh, on the left and even the center left and maybe even the center right yeah. <laughs> in a lot of cases. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but it's important to note and it's important to understand that as we continue as a country, there's a lot of people that are one entering into the body politic on the right that don't have a lot of political savvy and they see any type of politics as a threat to them, but also that they're going to double down on the stuff that they believe in as they continue to perceive that they're losing power within the body politic. And that's where it gets, you know, dangerous. That's where we see the right-wing extremism that has come in, uh, especially over the last two years, but has always been an undercurrent in United States history. David Frum, who uh, is a conservative, a longtime conservative, oh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. he said, I believe it was David Frum, said, um, if, the conser- uh, if the conservative party loses, they won't abandon conservatism. They will abandon democracy. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right. Yeah, they're going sti- to stick to what they believe in is yep. the right uh, moral path for society, what yeah. they think the right action of government is and whether democracy supports what they believe in or not is immaterial because they're going to stick to that. Yeah. You <laughs> if know, authoritarian so, does it better, which is what they perceive in Trump, they'll absolutely follow that. Uh, I have a little breaking news for y'all, um, which I think lends credence to the, we're about to see some interesting releases of information. Mm. Although I am inferring that, uh, I have no reason to believe that other than my own personal belief. Are, are you making another, um, another, uh, call? Are we, are we <laughs> estimating this? Are we calling <laughs> this? Making a prediction no, here on the pod? I'm, 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 I'm prediction? saying we should, we should be, 
Um, interest. We should add this as a data point. Okay. Uh, headline: Al Qaeda's number two was secretly killed in Iran three months ago. Israel Israeli agents shot Abu Muhammad Al Mazari on the streets of Tehran at the behest of U.S. officials. Of the U.S. officials said the killing was kept secret until now. Is the uh, and so I wonder how that was uh, has come now to public knowledge. Yeah, maybe that is what we are seeing coming out of DoD and NSA. So, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. Here's another. Uh... Yeah, there's so much there when it comes when we start talking foreign affairs. Right, what's good for the Department of Defense and our foreign affairs versus what's best for the president? We could get into a lot of potential conspiracy theories about why it was or was not released. Yeah. Why it was released now or why it wasn't released until this point. You would think that if Donald Trump really knew about it uh, and had the ability to announce it, he would have done it two months ago. Yeah. Or a month and a half ago. I, I forgot unless, exactly when you said it happened. Unless three it's months. part of an ongoing three months. Unless you know, obviously, the, I, I think it, unless all of the folks who have just been replaced were preventing that knowledge from coming out which was one of the scenarios that Corey Shockey laid out. Point. So yeah, good point. Right. Um, I think that's how you explain how it's coming out now. And I think the motivation, which is important, is also really clear, which is it's legacy building for Donald legacy, Trump. Yes, totally. 2024. Yeah, he's going to run yes. again as long he's as his gonna... heart doesn't give out. <laughs> yep. He, well, he's going to start a media company. Yeah. And then I think that he is going to say that he's running for a re-election yeah, we'll so that see. he can grift off that shit. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And then they put forward Ivanka. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. And oh, then there's gross. a fight for the soul of the Republican Party. And that's why there's been an interesting debate about the Lincoln Project's role in all of this. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I am fully anticipate. like, let's be clear. A lot of those people were involved in the Iraq war. Like yeah. they are not necessarily, uh, angels in, in the American story. Uh, however, politics makes strange bedfellows and I am rooting for them to fix their fucking party. So I can go back to fighting about quote, normal politics with them instead of being like, I don't know, are we a democracy? <laughs> well, I have no idea. <laughs> right. And well, so, well, they look at you and shrug also. They're like, I don't yeah. know. We might I be. Don't know. I don't know. I don't know, know but <laughs> like, I don't know. it's starting to feel a lot like 1930s uh, Germany. So. <laughs> yep. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I am rooting for them to, you know, I don't, we need to be clear about who our, I, <laughs> to make a funny comparison, I kind of feel like uh, it is, um, Russia in World War II. You know, it's like we have greater enemies, but we also need to be clear about what the the after game looks like. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I think th that's a lot of what politics is, is it is it is the the least worst option that you're looking for. Yeah. And listen, we got to get our shit together because this is a global issue. I mean, Modi and India, I mean, Russia has been a failed democracy for a minute. Great Britain. Hungry. I mean, there are there are many democracies around the world that are that are also struggling with a lot of similar issues, different obviously culturally and their own histories, but similar but, issues with authoritarianism. Yeah, strongman authoritarianism. Erdogan, Erdogan in Turkey. Yeah, uh, yep. the, I can't remember the Austrian guy's name off the top of my oh, head. Yeah, yeah. But he's basically a mini Hitler. Um, yep. MBS. Uh, so, yeah, um, there's a yep. lot of this, and so uh, folks listening. 
That means that you have a responsibility to continue to be engaged in your societies to make them better. Yeah. Because if you're not, that void will be filled with people who are not as good as you are. Yeah. So make sure that you are picking an institution that you care about and you are figuring out a way to make that institution better. As we're closing out, I would I would just like to say one thing because I forgot to say it at the top because um, we always try to wish uh, stuff to people. And I would just like to thank all the veterans in our country for their service. Mm-hmm. It was Veterans Day on Wednesday. Everybody here at AmeriPodcast certainly appreciates what you do for this country. And just know that we, uh, the, the four of us, support what you do. We support the United States. Thank, thank you. And we're going to continue to work to try to make sure that veteran issues get better in this country, which I think they will under Joe Biden. I think much better leader when it comes to health care that you're going to get when you come back. I really do think that the veterans hospitals will be better for people underneath the Biden administration. And just if you're a veteran and you listen to this podcast, thank you for it. And if you need help, please go out and get some. I'm, I'm tired of seeing veterans commit suicide in this country. And it's a much bigger issue. I don't want to bring it up at the end. But needs to be said. It is a disastrous moral failing on the part of every American citizen, including the four of us, that so many 100%. veterans commit suicide yeah. and that we have not taken better care of them. It's a problem that is systemic in our history. And uh, I, it is if that is something that you are passionate about, it is one of the best possible things you could do because those folks are the reason why we are still a free society and we should be eternally grateful to them. They are one of the, they are, I would say, the most legitimate institution that we have in this country. It's one of the only institutions that has not failed our generation. And I think we owe them a great debt of gratitude not only for our freedoms but also for just exemplifying professionalism and competence and so yes i completely agree thanks y'all i'll just say as someone who um who you know does trauma work i interact with veterans a lot of time who are who are you know also struggling and have also found resources to support themselves with you know the the impacts of trauma from um from being uh, in in war zones and uh, the violence and so there are resources out there for you Godspeed folks I may be more willing to perform Magic Mike-style dances than I am to sit around and talk Star Wars politics for 30 hours on a podcast. I don't well, know. Well, I don't know. It's fair. Well, I mean, I would do either willingly, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck yeah, you would. <laughs>